Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast by Lifeway. Thanks for choosing this podcast to be one of the ones that you listen to to help you in your student ministry journey. I want to encourage you to leave a rating and review if you haven't yet. It helps other people find the podcast as they search for student ministry content on that platform. So thank you in advance for doing that. On today's episode, we are excited to have Chris Bacon, who's the lead student pastor at First Baptist Church in Orlando, Florida. Been in student ministry for 18 years, passion for helping teenagers understand their identity in Christ and the fullness of God's love for them. He loves investing in leaders, empowering them to unlock their potential and use their gifts to build a kingdom culture. We're excited to have Chris on today's podcast uh, to have a conversation about diversity in student ministry. Now, Chris is a leader who at First Baptist in Orlando has uh, led through a transition that has been really remarkable of watching the student ministry and leading through the process of a student ministry beginning to reflect the diversity that exists in their communities. Chris, I'm excited to have you on the student ministry podcast today. Uh, we've known each other for a long time. Um, yeah. So it's it's cool to, to be able to have this conversation and uh, walk through a season of ministry that you've really been in since you got to Orlando and I would wager, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a second, but I would wager are even still in as you continue yeah. to lead student ministry there. And I've walked away from this conversation with you thinking, man, that's a story that needs to be told because I think there are a lot of student pastors that look at the community in which their church is and they say, man, my student ministry does not reflect the diversity of the teenagers that are in my community. There's a difference between my student ministry and the community. And this is something that you saw in, in Orlando, and it's something that the Lord has really done in and through you to have now a much more diverse student ministry than when you got there. So that's, if we're going to begin with the end in mind, like that's the snapshot of our conversation is you have led through a time that has transitioned and shaped student ministry to be much more diverse and reflective of the community in which you serve. So let's go back to the beginning and just talk about uh, that moment beginning your leadership there uh, in Orlando, how long you've been there now, and a little bit of uniqueness that like, you're familiar with this church and student ministry before yeah. you, you became the lead student pastor there. So talk, talk us through all that. Yeah. So Ben, first, thank you so much for having me on today. Really excited. Um, I listen to the podcast often, so it's an honor oh, thanks, to be man. with you guys today. And, um, you know, Ben, for me, I think the story really starts um, just growing up in Orlando. Yeah. So Orlando um, is where I went to fifth, all the way up from fifth grade through college. Um, so I went to middle school, high school and college here in Orlando, started to go to church here at First Baptist Orlando when I was a senior in high school. So I was saved a little bit later in life. And um, what I always tell people is First Orlando is my home church. Um, and they go, well, how long have you been? And I was like, well, I went for one year as a student and then I transitioned <laughs> to being an intern um, after being here for a year. And so I think for me, um, honestly, that story really began while I was in high school. And, you know, and just being aware of the fact that Orlando is an extremely diverse city, um, even back when I was in high school, um, and it's becoming increasingly even more diverse. 
um, now. And that's one of the things that actually um, I felt like God was calling me back to. And mm. so five years ago, when God called me back to First Orlando, I felt like one of the reasons why he was calling me back is um, just to really um, help build upon a foundation of diversity here and, and to really see um, our ministry represent the city. And um, what I'll say is I felt like that was one of the compelling things that kind of brought me back to Orlando. Um, but I don't think I realized how um, inadequate I was to be able to really um, step into that role. Hmm. Um, I think I assumed I knew a lot of things just from growing up here. Um, you know, um, a, a member that you guys have had on the podcast before, AC Sanford, him and I yeah. are best friends. And one of the things that AC always says is that when he was in student ministry here, he was one of two um, black kids. He was one of two African-American kids that were actually in this church. And um, it always seemed odd to me that that was the case. Um, and so I think a couple things for me was our church was already um, on the trajectory of becoming more diverse. We had a Spanish ministry that's now a Spanish campus and a Brazilian ministry that's now a Brazilian campus. Um, and so there was already a foundation that was being laid by our senior leadership to really move our church in the direction of, of looking like the city of Orlando. So for me, I came back to Orlando um, and really felt like God was calling me um, into that. Now, what I will say is, I think the challenges um, that I've faced over the last five years were ones that, that I probably didn't foresee. Um, mm. And they were, I probably felt like I was more aware than I actually was. And so I think that initially it's really brought about a lot of humility in me to go, man, I need to ask more questions. I need to be more curious. Um, and, um, you know, I think it's still a journey that we're on. Um, the truth is, and you said that best at the beginning, yes, we are more diverse than we've ever been. Um, but the truth is we still don't completely reflect the diversity in our city. And so um, for me, it, it started um, really with a calling to come back here to help build that culture. Um, but then I think it, I've been really blessed to have some great people around me who have helped me on that journey, um, whether it was staff members who really helped me understand different cultures. Um, but and, and then even families who just um, were very gracious to me. The truth is I'm a white male um, that understands very little about other cultures, even though I grew up around it. And I've had a lot of people who have been extremely gracious with me um, and who have been patient with me and have allowed me to ultimately um, reap the blessings of the grace that they've bestowed upon me in helping build a diverse culture. Mm, man, that's good. I, I would love for people to kind of get a grasp because I think when people hear reflecting your community or we have a diverse student ministry, they have a certain picture in their minds. And in some places, normally that means perhaps another group of people or two. Uh, I would give us give because I know the answer to this. Give people a scope of what diversity in student ministry looks like for you right now. Yeah, so that's a great question, Ben. So um, really, I look at the diversity in, in two different ways. There's cultural diversity, um, national diversity, and then as well as socioeconomic status mm. diversity. And and for us. Um, that's really been um, one of our heartbeats is we look at it from a place of we've got um, students um, from Latino households. We have students from Brazilian households where they move here and um, English is their second language. 
um, and they have strong, strong cultures that are amazing cultures. Um, we have teenagers from um, teenagers from from cultures in Jamaica and Haiti, um, and really all over the world. When people say Orlando's a melting pot, it really is a melting pot. Um, and so, for us, ultimately. Um, we've got students from all different backgrounds. I think the culmination of that for me as a student pastor was really seen um, two years ago in our student camp back when people actually got to do student camps before COVID. <laughs> That's right. um, and we had this amazing moment where every year we've kind of leaned into the diversity that we have um, through um, singing different songs and worship in multiple languages. Mm. And, you know, originally the first couple of years we did it, we always did Spanish and um, Portuguese and English. And last year, two years ago, um, we noticed that we had a lot of students from Haitian Creole backgrounds. And so we actually added that component to it. And um, I mean, it was one of those moments in ministry, Ben, where you really just felt the presence of God in a way that was so tangible, so representative of just who he is and his goodness. Um, we, as we sang all four of those languages through one of the songs, what ended up happening was the students at the end of it just kept cheering. Mm. I mean, just kept going. I mean, we finished the song, the band's kind of trying to bring things down and the students are just applauding at the, I mean, mm. with everything they have screaming so loud. And it was one of those moments in ministry where you just had to sit in the presence of what happened. And, and even for me as a leader, as I'm supposed to be wrapping up the night for us, I mean, I just felt like we all need to appreciate what happened because what it said to me is um, we had reached a place in terms of our cultural representation where, where true um, cultural inclusiveness was beginning to happen. Mm. Um, that we, we had all four of those languages sang and um, and each one of the choruses that was sang in each one of the languages, it didn't matter if it was somebody's native tongue. Um, they were singing it with the people whose native tongue existed. And for me, that was one of those moments that I think represented that um, in, in so many ways, just the, the, um, the multitude of different backgrounds we have in terms of where people are from. But then secondly, um, we also have a very weird mix of socioeconomic status here in Orlando. Um, Orlando has a, a really wealthy um, group of people, um, but it also has um, the medium inco household income here is like $44,000 a year. Um, the majority of public school kids are on um, free or reduced lunch. Um, and so for us, we've also said, hey, we can't just be concerned about making sure that our ministry is diverse um, in terms of representing different cultures and different languages, we really also want to make sure that our ministry is diverse in representing um, just the the socioeconomic status differences in Orlando. And um, for us, that's been a, a huge priority is we want to make sure that our ministry is a place that's inclusive of people from all different backgrounds um, and all different socioeconomic statuses because that's what the kingdom of heaven is going to look like. Yeah. And I think that's been one of the driving forces for us is just continually asking the question of does our ministry represent um, what the kingdom, what the representation in Orlando will be in the kingdom of heaven? Because mm. I recognize there's a lot of people listening to this podcast um, where if they took a demographic study, their demographic would be very different than ours. 
And I think the, the more important goal is, is to basically just ask the question of, I mean, is what um, exists in my city, um, will that, does that exist in my ministry as it will exist in the kingdom of heaven? What a strong question. I'm blown away again. And you've told me some of this and some of it uh, is new. Like, I just want to go and be in that moment that you describe. Like, I just want to see it. And here's what I want to call out in that is that there is a difference, a distinct difference between saying, I want my student ministry to reflect the, the city that I'm in in just having those people here versus I want to value their culture and what they bring to the point that I'm willing to change what we do so that they don't just become part of what we're doing, but that they are a part of what we're doing. And they meaning whoever it is, whoever is there, they are valued in such a way that we're going to lift up their culture and where they're from and we're going to celebrate it. And man, that it, it's just a powerful distinction that's so different than, I, than the way I think many approach it. Well, and I heard you say this word at least twice. There is a difference between diversity and inclusion. I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about that. Obviously, you have shared the ways that what that looks like to actually include the different cultures. But I don't know if you maybe have more of a distinction you can make to help listeners understand what the difference really is there. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's, I think a lot of times we all have a heart. I haven't met a lot of people in ministry that wouldn't have a heart to go. I don't want to reach um, the people that God has placed in my city. Mm -hmm. But I know one of the things I had to overcome for myself was, is, um, I had a preconceived understanding of how to do student ministry um, and a playbook of how to do student ministry. And that playbook does not always work um, in terms of making people from diverse backgrounds feel valued. And so there's all of these things that I think we walk into ministry thinking, hey, this will work. And if I just did this this way, and if I use this illustration, and for me, that was a, a really humbling moment for me to just come to a place where I go, I don't really, I don't really understand as much about um, valuing diversity and being inclusive and including these people um, in the decisions that I'm making. So a lot of times we'll do things like we have a heart for including somebody, um, but we haven't really um, designed or strategized our program around reaching them. Um, we haven't um, set our program up to make sure that they do feel valued. And so even like like we used to do a, a camp, we used to do an ultimate Frisbee competition. And everybody loved the ultimate Frisbee tournament. And it was one of those things that when I got here, people were going, don't kill it, don't kill it. But we killed it so that way we could do a soccer tournament hmm. because people from international, they love soccer. Um, but all of our kids that probably don't come from international cultures, they were going, why are we playing soccer? Um, it's little things like that or just being aware of um, the language that you use. And so for a long time, I'll give you, it's kind of a funny story. Um, when we were promoting um, different events, we had an early bird registration. And I had done that everywhere else that I had been. 
Um, and it makes sense in, in, in my culture. And finally, one of our Portuguese speaking um, staff members looked at me and they go, all of our people are going, what, why, why do you get a discount for being the early bird? Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why would we, like, why would we get a discount for that? Like, what does that even mean? Like, where do you get the early bird to be able to get mm -hmm. the discount? And in that moment, I stepped back and I went, you're absolutely right. I, I never thought about that. And so I think one, we've got to look for the blind spots that we have in terms of creating um, ministries that value people from all different backgrounds. And so I think the, the primary difference to make sure that I answer your question is just making sure that you value diversity in your decision-making process and the way that you are um, programming and the way that you're making decisions. Because all of us truly want to include people from different backgrounds. But I think that one of the missing components, and I was missing this for a long time, was making sure um, that I brought people in the room around me who didn't think like I did and who could help put things like that on my radar. Yeah, I think one of the things we've heard uh, lately is that most people, you, and you kind of said this, do have a heart to have a more diverse ministry. But, and I think particularly last year, this just came to the forefront yet again um, and probably put on a lot of people's hearts that this is important work that needs to be done. And it's often really difficult to know kind of what those first steps are. Yeah, I think that's a great question, Katie. And like what? So when you landed, you said, hey, God's calling me back for this reason. What are some of the first steps you began to take? Right or wrong, we, we'll, let, we'll let you kind of walk through that. But what are some of the first steps you began to take to embrace, okay, we've got to just start this work? So I really think it's just asking the question of um, asking God to show you um, who is in your city. Um, we can mm -hmm. look at a demographic study all day long, but the truth is to ask God to show you the people in your city um, to ask God to give you a heart for the stories in your city. Um, and then really just asking God, um, what is not, what in my ministry or my leadership is not representative um, of the type of ministry that you desire for us to be in order to reach people that you care deeply about. And, and I think for me, that was one of the, the first things um, was although I felt like I was called back for like, that was one of the reasons why I was called back was to really be a part of helping um, our student ministry embrace diversity more. Um, but I also had to come at it from a place where I didn't, there were a lot of things I didn't know. And I think it really started with asking God to, to show me those things. Mm. Um, and then as God shows you those things, sometimes you have to repent um, of some of the um, the decisions that you've made of some of your own lack of cultural awareness um, and I think even in this season, that's been something that I've had to do. You know, Katie mentioned just over the last year, that's been something I've had to do even more of this year than I probably did four years ago. Um, as I stepped into more difficult conversations with students in our ministry who were saying, hey, I don't always feel comfortable here. Mm. And, um, and that was as heartbreaking as that was for me. It also made me have to take a step back and go, God, the process of, of me leaving my cultural biases behind is one that I'm never um, going to arrive at. And I need to continually come before you and ask you to show me those things. So that way I can lead with the heart of Jesus, because the heart of Jesus is always um, going to lend itself towards wanting to make sure 
that we're reaching the people that God has placed before us, um, regardless of what their backgrounds are. And so I think it really starts there. Um, and then I think another step of that um, is you've got to make sure that you are staffing um, for the diversity that you desire. Um, and, and that can be a hard thing um, because a lot of times in student ministry, we're looking for the expert. We're looking for the specialist. And, and sometimes that isn't always going to be represented. And so sometimes you're going to have to give away wanting an expert or a specialist in student ministry or even just in any role in the church. So that way you can get somebody that looks like the kids that you want to reach and that thinks like the kids that you want to, to reach. Um, that's been a huge one for me is just making sure um, that I'm, I'm doing everything I can every time a position's open um, to make sure that we're getting people in those roles, um, male or female, um, who can help us um, build a staff um, that represents um, the type of ministry that we want to be. Yeah. Man, that's such a big deal. And for those of you that are saying, man, I'm not hiring staff, insert the word volunteer. Uh, ins yeah. insert the, the the recruiting process that you normally do there to make sure that your leadership team reflects what you're trying to do uh, and those other things the, the expertise and Chris I, I think you'd agree with me here the expertise can be trained right yeah like the student ministry tactical stuff like that can be trained and yeah. They can subscribe to your podcast. <laughs> they just subscribe to the podcast, the Lifeway Student Ministry podcast. That would help with that. That's one step that they could take. That's for sure. Uh, man, I love that you. Yeah, go ahead. Ben, I was going to add, I think another place you can start is meet with people in your city who are diverse. Mm -hmm. And so um, one, of, one of my best and closest friends in ministry um, is at another church. Orlando. His name is Jonathan Rivera. Um, Jonathan, I would consider an expert um, on um, just reaching Latino students for Christ. I mean, the guy is unbelievable. He's done some some studies for some other larger organizations on it. And Jonathan and I probably talk um, six to eight times a year specifically about diversity. Um, and so you may you may be looking at your church and going, well, our church isn't very diverse right now. So where am I going to find a volunteer? Well, what mm -hmm. I would say is, is, man, go find another church in your area, even if you have to drive 30 minutes or drive an hour and just meet with somebody um, from a background that's different than yours, um, so that way you can learn as much as possible about it. Jonathan's been a huge influence in my life and just helping me think about things differently. He's a safe place for me when I'm going, man, this is what I'm thinking, but this is what this family told me. Like, am I off base or are they off base? And there's been times when he's been really honest with me and said, Chris, you're wrong. Mm. And why you're wrong. Um, another guy like that is, I mentioned AC before. Um, there's times when I call AC Sanford and I go, hey, here's what I'm thinking, but here's, here's kind of the perspective of somebody else in my ministry. Am I right or am I wrong? And you need people in your life that are gonna be honest with you and help you navigate those challenging things. All three of the things that you've said as first steps, the two things that really stand out to me, your first steps are humility and intentionality. I mean, it's all about your attitude going into it. Um, 
right off the bat. And then those second two things that you named, I mean, those are intentional steps you have to take in order to build this. You can't just sort of wish it into fruition. So thank you for sharing those. Yeah, Man, I, I, I was thinking the same thing is like when we asked that question, the first thing you went to was spiritual introspection. Like I had to get with the Lord on my leadership and are there things that I'm doing in my leadership that are actually hindering this? And am I willing to change those things and sacrifice them on the altar for, for this? And man, it struck me because I think many times we, we as leaders can go straight to the tactical. How do I accomplish this? What are the pieces? What are the gears? What are the things yeah. that I can put together in order to build the system that makes that happen? And what you heard was I had to make sure that I am leading in a spiritual way and get rid of the stuff that's hindering this. And I had to build intentional relationships with people that are willing to tell me I'm wrong and that I'm willing to hear I'm wrong. Both, both of those things are really, really important. Um, and what I love about it too, is that those are things that, that everybody can do. They're not easy things by any stretch of the imagination. They're not easy things, but they are things that can be done. Chris, I'd be, I wonder if you'd be willing to share, uh, just some of the things from a leadership standpoint that you noticed that you said, oh, this isn't, this isn't going to work anymore. Like, because you mentioned earlier, I had a playbook for student ministry, and that is a playbook that has worked in other places, and we've run it, and it's been successful. But that playbook, some of it at least, does not work in the in the work that we're trying to do. So, as you began this process, what are some of those things that you kind of had to say, man, leading this way, it doesn't work in this moment for right now. Yeah, that's a great question, Ben. Um, I think specifically, um, a lot of it really um, surrounded around um, just my need to control things and my need to to really run that said playbook um, and just basically lead the ministry from a place of, of um, empowering more of our volunteers to have a voice, um, empowering more of our families to have a feedback um, loop back to us, um, you know, Simple things, though, um, like um, like making sure that I didn't just believe that there was one way to do something. Mm. And so because I think that's part of the challenge, right, is a lot of times opening up more ways to do something can create some some tension that we don't always like um, as leaders. So just being more open handed with that, I think specifically in me, just being willing to ask more questions than than making assumptions. And I think that's one of the, the things that early on, I probably didn't do really well. I think I made a lot of assumptions and I didn't always ask enough questions and being willing to try new things. That was a huge one for me is, you know, we tried something. Um, that I would have never thought that we would try pre-COVID where we were doing events on Friday nights, um, even in the middle of football season, um, because in a lot of international cultures, specifically our Portuguese-speaking population, um, where they're from in Brazil, um, most of the student ministry stuff's on a Friday night. Mm. And I'll be honest, for three years, I fought that and I was going, we'll never do anything on a Friday night. 
um, because, you know, high school football exists on a Friday night and I don't want to go up against high school football. Yeah. And, and, you know, I had some staff members on my team, um, who are from, um, those cultures that just kept pressing me on it. And honestly, um, you know, it was, it was successful for a season for us. And, um, and I think that was a, a huge one for me is just trying to be more open, um, to, to let some of my assumptions go. Um, and to ask more questions. And you guys have heard me say that several times. And I think that's because there is no science to this. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times in ministry, we want to have that playbook, but there really isn't a science because as we lean into diversity more, I actually figure out I understand less about it. Mm. Um, and so it's a lot of it's just being willing to, to adjust things. And then I think one of the things I haven't talked about a lot but as you do adjust things, you need to make sure that you anticipate that not everyone is going to like those decisions that you're making. Yeah. And, and that's probably been one of the hardest things is um, on the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram three. Like I want to um, I want to look successful and I want people to like me. <laughs> and that's been one of the most challenging things is almost having to accept this truth that people from every background at some point are going to be disappointed in me mm. um, because you've got all of these different cultures, you've got all of these different viewpoints. Um, and that's hard enough in a ministry that doesn't have diversity. But then when you add the complexity of diversity to that, um, that can be a really challenging thing. And I think that's where just going back to consistently, God, am I doing what you're calling me to do? Um, because if I'm doing what God is calling me to do, I can take confidence in knowing that the outcomes aren't up to me. They're out They're They're really up to just the faithfulness that I've, I've put in. And so, um, for me, that's been one of the huge ones, man, as a fellow three, I can feel your pain there for sure. Uh, man, and you brought up an issue that I think is important for us to talk about. You mentioned when you got there. And this is, this is a huge statement that the, the overall leadership of the church, it was in their heart too, that this is something that as a church, and there are some places where you as a listener, it might be just your ministry area to start with. But in your case, you said, man, it was something that ha that was in our leadership's heart. And it was something that we as a church were approaching together, but that doesn't mean that everybody wants to see it happen or that everybody agrees with steps along the way. So man, I would love for you to just talk about that. Like when people disagree with you in having a vision for a more diverse student ministry, when people disagree or question along the way, how did you handle those kind of, well, I guess first, I don't wanna assume, did those happen? And then how did you walk through those moments of disagreement? Yeah, so Ben, I don't, I don't know if I've met anyone or I've been confronted with someone that didn't want diversity. Yeah. I think, and I think what, what has been more prominent um, is people who don't understand changes you make in order to try to help your ministry yeah, that's um, right. celebrate diversity more. And, and it's not, it's not, it's more of a programming issue, more of, you know, we used to go here for camp or we used to do yeah. this. Why are we doing it this way now? And so most people 
um, are good intention. Most people want diversity represented in their churches, um, at least the majority of people. I can't speak for everyone, but the majority of people do want that. Yeah. And so I've had to, I've really just had to embrace the idea of helping walk people through the same process um, that people have been so gracious to walk me through. Mm. Of, you know, here's why we're making this decision. Um, here's, um, how we understand that this may impact somebody from a different culture. And so some of that is just extending the same graciousness to people um, that has been extended to me by people from other cultures um, who um, they've brought me along, um, you know, very graciously. They've been very kind to me. Um, and so starting with the why, um, it seems so simple, um, but then also just being gentle in the way that we explain those things. Um, but then also, I think just understanding that sometimes when you do make those programming changes, they're not going to meet everybody's needs, and that's okay. Like letting go of the idea that um, that I have to meet everybody's needs. And there have been people who have probably left because of some of the programming changes or because we weren't focusing on one area as much as we used to or because we made decisions to try to cut the cost of some budgets to make sure that people from all socioeconomic backgrounds could attend. Yeah. Um, and so maybe the, the quality isn't as high or we don't do it because we don't want to put stress on those families and just being okay and going, God, like ultimately um, I just want to be faithful to what you called us to. And I want to walk with those families as often as I can um, through some of the frustration that maybe they have because of the programming. Um, differences. And that's been probably felt from everybody. Um, I, I don't think there's been a time when um, decisions that we've made hasn't haven't been questioned by people from any cultural background. Right. And because when you're trying to ultimately, um, you know, have a, a, a ministry that represents a city that's a melting pot, well, that's not always going to be the easiest thing. Yeah, man, that's good because one, I think we would say, okay, anytime there's change, regardless of the reason why there's change, people, there are going to be people in our ministries that don't understand that change. And so it goes back to communication and something that we've talked about on the podcast a lot of times, man, is like your primary job as a leader is to communicate. And a very small portion of that communication is actually done through preaching. It's the ways and, and environments that you communicate everything else that really drives the effectiveness of the ministry and helps you get through some of these some of these barriers of people just not understanding change. So Chris, let me go to this, let me go to this one with you. Uh, how has it changed things for your student ministry? I mean, you gave a, a beautiful example a minute ago about, the four different languages uh, in that camp experience. What are some other things that you see on a pretty frequent basis that have changed in in your ministry as a result of what God's been doing? Yeah, so um, one, I feel so privileged to be able to see some of the God things that happen as a result of it. And um, I, I think it's, um, just the, um, even in the way that we program, I think we've tried to, um, program around the idea of, Hey, we're going to have people from all different backgrounds here. Um, and we want to welcome those backgrounds. Um, I'll start with this. Um, when you have a ministry, um, that really celebrates diversity, 
um, there's something that's so special about it. And, um, and there really is just such a, a warm and welcoming um, type of um, in, environment that's created um, because of these students um, who come from all different backgrounds. Mm. Um, so I think that's the first one. It's just a byproduct of being warm and welcoming. Um, I also think um, just um, really being able to be um, blessed to just see so many special moments. And I'll give you an example of another moment that was just so amazing to me. I was having dinner with one of our small group leaders and the small group leader told me this story about how one of her girls at her small group table just kept talking the entire time that she was talking. Um, and so finally, this was a sixth grade girl. Finally, after everything was done and the small group was finished, she pulled her aside and said like, hey, what was going on today? Um, you just kept talking the whole time I was talking and the girl goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I was actually translating for the girl that was next to me. Mm. And so um, just so many moments like that where you really get to um, get a glimpse of, I think, just what God is doing um, by building his kingdom, um, where you get this um, kind of idea of, you know, Galatians 6, 2 says that we're called to bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. And that means to put ourselves in someone else's shoes. And that's beginning to happen. I don't think that we're there yet. Um, I think that this summer revealed that we still have um, a long ways to go. Um, in terms of helping our students learn to put themselves in someone else's shoes. Um, but they're, they're celebrating diversity. I think the next step is beginning to see us um, really put ourselves in each other's shoes and also carry the weight that sometimes can come with mm. being from a diverse background. Man, so good. I, I want to know, how has this changed your communication uh, from a preaching standpoint, like, have you, have you noticed I have to, I have to change some things about style or what you talk about. And obviously you're not changing like guys. I know Chris, he's not changing. God, this is a, this is a Bible guy here. Okay. But, uh, method ha have you from a methodology yeah. standpoint had to adjust? Yeah. So for, um, I think illustrations, you have to be culturally aware of the illustrations that you're using. Um, that's a huge one is just making sure um, sometimes when you say football, people in the audience are thinking soccer, mm -hmm. not American football. And so making sure that you make the distinction and say American football, um, which most of our international students will say doesn't make sense because you don't use your feet outside of two times a game, really. Yeah. So there's a runner and a kicker, everybody else isn't. <laughs> and so um, some of it is just making sure um, that you're using culturally appropriate um, illustrations. I mean, we do that all the time in student ministry, but I think we've always focused on just making sure that it was relevant to the age group. Um, but, you know, for us, we want to make sure that it's relevant to everyone. And sometimes I get that right. Sometimes I get that wrong. Um, and, and that's okay. I think the, the second one is also making sure that when you bring spe speakers in, that um, we really do always try to prioritize putting people on stage who look like our students. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's a really important thing for us is making sure um, that they're able to look at people on stage, whether it's a worship leader, whether it's a musician, whether it's a speaker, and we want our kids from all different backgrounds to be able to look on stage and go, that could be me someday. Mm. Um, because I know in talking to a lot of friends who grew up in churches where they were the minority, 
one of the things they tell me often is, like, I never thought that I could be the pastor, and I never thought that I could be the worship leader, because when I would look on stage, they never put anybody on stage that looked like me. And so for me, that's been um, a, a real priority, is making sure that when we bring speakers in, um, that we bring people in from diverse backgrounds when we're able to. Yeah. Um, we're not always able to, but when we're able to, we always want to make sure that we're able to do that. Yeah, it's a statement of value, right? Like we yeah. we value you as a person, and so we're we're going to give you a vision of of what could be. Uh, Chris, what would you say to leaders that are in a situation maybe similar uh, to where you were five years ago? Um, maybe not as diverse as the city of Orlando, but uh, in a city where there's diversity of socioeconomic, uh, where there's socioeconomic diversity, where there's cultural diversity, um, and people are looking around and saying, man, like we could do better here in both or one of those areas. What would you tell them? What, like, how to, how to get going? Yeah. So one, I just, I would commend them first on asking the question. Mm. Um, I think that that's a huge step. Um, sometimes that can be a hard question to ask. Um, uh, and so one, I, I would encourage them if you're asking that question, man, I want to celebrate that right now because that's awesome. Um, I think the second one is, is just ask God to start showing you the opportunities that are in your city. Um, and then ask him to remove the obstacles. Like what obstacles exist in your ministry to that? Um, and what can you do as a leader to remove those obstacles? Um, because every context is different. So I would hate to prescribe, here's what exactly you need to do. Because the truth is, the thing that I've learned more than anything over the last five years is that it's there is no, and I've said this over and over again, there's no playbook on how to do it yeah. because every context is different. And in every city, diversity looks a little bit different. And the culture um, that might be represented in that diverse population may be very different than it is in Orlando. Mm -hmm. And so um, just start asking God to show you um, where diversity is in your city, ask him to give you a heart for it, and then ask him to show what in your ministry, what in your leadership is an obstacle to that taking place. And then the third one is just ask him to bring people around you um, who can help you um, navigate the complexity that exists and who can really just help be a champion for it in your church. Yeah, man. Yeah, you, ha you have said there's no science uh, to this. And I know from conversations that you and I have had over the years outside of, of the podcast that, man, you've been asking questions the whole time. You've, you've been seeking those people around you and you've been doing that very thing. And while there's no science uh, that we've heard, that we've heard you say, you have given, I think a really wise pathway for people to begin that process. It through relationships with people in your city, through asking hard questions of yourself and your leadership uh, and through looking, like you just said, through looking for diversity in your city and figuring out the barriers. Um, while there's no science, I think that's really, really wise to begin in those, in those spaces and just be willing to take on the humility of being wrong and asking a ton of questions. And you've, man, you've done that so well and articulated it so well today. Chris, thanks for Thanks for being on Thank today. You. It's a it's an amazing story, and I know it's not done. 
Uh, but man, it has been fun to watch God use you and can't wait to see what the rest looks like. Thank you, Ben. It's been an honor to be on and you've been a voice of wisdom in my life with those things as well. And so thank you for all of your influence and um, everything that you're doing to, to just, um, help build the kingdom. Yeah. Glad to help however I can. Thanks for listening to the student ministry podcast by Lifeway. We'll see you next time.